My name's Neely. I'm here with Kaylee Savona. Kaylee, are you satisfied with your job? I would say yes. Thank you for asking. Great. <laughs> would you say that you're more satisfied today with your job than you were in, let's say, 2019? For sure. Awesome. I think that's a pretty decent setup, Kaylee. That's pretty great. Yeah. That leads us right in. Great. So, um, of course, uh, every once in a while, we like to provide uh, you all as listeners with some quantitative information in addition to the stories that we tell here. So, Kaylee, what have you brought for us this time? Yeah, today I have the 2023 Conference Board's Job Satisfaction Report. So this survey has been going out for the past 36 years, so since 1987. They currently survey across 26 different components. Um, three of which are newer, one of which is mental health. I think that's a big one that's been added. Um, but yeah, we are at an all-time high right nice. now. In 36 years, workers are happy. Way to go, everyone. Yay. So we've linked, uh, obviously, to this survey in the um, post description because we're kind of going to, I don't know, blow right through uh, a number of graphs and key points here. But I think there's a lot of interesting data here. There's a lot of... Um, analysis that could probably be taken for this, but I think also something that you could think about your own workplace um, in, in some of these details uh, and try to get a sense of how your own employee survey data would match up with uh, this survey as well. First, before we jump into the specifics here, I think a, a key nugget um, and one of the takeaways, uh, apart from competitive pay, so just making sure that you're competitive with your pay rate, the factors that most influence uh, employee retention actually center around work experience and culture. Um, so there's some factors that intersect with the top predictors of overall job satisfaction, uh, which means that leaders should be prioritizing the cultural aspects of work in order to drive retention and job satisfaction. So essentially, you know, there's diminishing returns on how much you can pay people. I think you need to catch up with the other cultural and environmental aspects uh, of work, uh, to lead to higher retention and overall satisfaction. So interesting stuff. Yeah, it is super interesting. And to name some of those specific ones, we had organizational culture, quality of leadership, and work-life balance. So the leaders matter. And of course, if we feel like we're having a good work-life balance, as we call it, um, also very important. Okay. So let's dive into some of the biggest movers year over year from 21 to 22. Uh, obviously, Work-life balance uh, is at the top of the charts. Uh, we're up 5.8 points. Uh, in 2021, it was at 54.3% satisfaction. Today, they're at 60.1%. I think this is important and, and probably logical. Uh, as companies are figuring out their return to work or putting into place a more permanent hybrid work solutions, I think uh, employee demand is driving the need for work-life balance that for people that are able to work remotely at least have the option to do so. Um, so better balance is important and is also probably something that a new job seeker is looking for anyway. So as you mentioned, some of those people that were looking for new jobs, I would imagine that balance is going to be an important part of that, especially if they are just looking for that new job in 2022. What's also interesting to me as a big mover is workload. So the satisfaction with workload is also up. Um, I hate to be like the like the executive kind of brain here, but 
Is it because they're also at home more often? So the, mm-hmm. there's less visible work being done. So like I need to do something to, you know, justify me sitting in the seat for the eight hours a day, punching in, punching out. Um, and so I'm more satisfied with my workload because I do have that flexibility with my time. And now I am outcome driven versus time oriented. Yeah, I definitely think that people have a different conception of the workload. Like you said, it's not just about the hours. It's about what's actually getting done. And that's what leaders care about more now. And there's also commute on here as a separate item. But I think that bleeds so heavily into workload because even though it's not actual work, like driving potentially 30 minutes, an hour to work does add to your overall day. So I think that affects work-life balance, that affects workload. It's all connected, I think. Yeah. And, I, you know, our conversation with Liz, the the commute became mm-hmm. kind of a, a, a key factor in how she perceived her work and her job. And um, so that, that's not nothing. Uh, I personally appreciate like the 10 to 15 minute drive uh, to mm-hmm. and from, like you're either pumping up for work or like um, sort of getting back into home mode. So it's, it's a good little buffer. But uh, I, d- I also wanted to point out uh, recognition and acknowledgement is also on the rise. So up uh, almost four points uh, year over year. Um, does this also indicate better communication with uplines? Um, getting away from that more traditional idea of mid-year and end-of-year reviews and having more regular one-on-ones. Um, and then again, recognition and acknowledgement are we becoming more equitable with this with installing peer-to-peer programs where more people have the ability to recognize you in meaningful ways and it's not just the job of, of the manager anymore? Yeah, 100%. All right, so the next section here I wanted to jump into. So they split the results of people that voluntarily left and found a new job since the pandemic and then others that have been in the same job since the pandemic. I think overall the indicators here, um, people are looking for opportunities for growth Uh, So educational job training programs, one of the biggest differences here with people that are uh, still with the same company or found a new one. Pay, obviously, is going to be better if you're moving from one position to another. I'd like to get paid more. Um, And then benefits. So the benefits and then also flexibility. um, These are all things that I think we've talked about. Employers are having to up their game in what their total offering is, especially if you are in a fully remote job market where your competitors are everywhere, right? So you have to find something that's going to differentiate you from your offering. Um, So benefits and flexibility uh, are at the top of this list of differences and people that are satisfied with the job they've had since the pandemic versus their new job that they just got. Yeah. And mental health benefits in particular are near the top of this list with a 13.6 point difference. And that just kind of makes me wonder were people leaving and going to these, I don't know, so-called newer, shinier employers because they were offering these new things like mental health benefits? That's something that not all com- still not all companies offer. Um, so that's a huge difference that people are quitting and going to these employers that have actual mental health benefits now. For sure. I think it's lessons learned, right? So you see how your company reacts or what your company offers during a time of distress uh, and you learn from that and you know, your, your next spot, uh, you know that you don't want to have that happen to you again. So, all right, moving on, um, the gender difference. So women are significantly less satisfied than men across almost all of the 26 uh, components surveyed. Um, so I think that is interesting. I think if you dig into um, some of these details here, overall, women find their jobs less flexible, um, mostly with, you know, sick day policies, vacation policies, family leave plans, things of that nature. 
obviously still feel that they are not paid as much. So I, I think uh, pay discrepancies is still a, a top priority. Uh, but then also that they're not supported in ways that make sense to them. So if you look at communication channels, um, their connection with their supervisors, um, they just don't feel like they the company is meeting their needs uh, from a support perspective. And another thing to note here is that a different survey from 2022, Unemployed Turnover, revealed that more women quit their jobs um, due to job fatigue than men. And this is an interesting thing to think about because we talk about how women are typically more emotionally intelligent than men naturally. Um, So is this that they're just able to name what's going on with burnout and with job fatigue and mental health concerns more easily than men are? Or is there just simply an imbalance there? Yeah, it's something of note. I think we're just (laughs) sort of guessing at that. But, you know, it, it is probably also a driving factor as to why mental health benefits was added as a component for the survey. Mm-hmm. For the first time, uh, women report substantially less satisfaction with that benefit than their male counterparts, but you know everybody's reporting it as low, right? So yeah. that's kind of the area of support that everybody needs to pick up across the board. Overall, I think um, these findings are suggesting that um, if we want to have higher work satisfaction and retention, we have to continue to talk about and find solutions for employee burnout, for mental health concerns, and then still the long-running gender inequities, um, especially when making benefits and promotion decisions. You know, are you considering your female team members in the same light as your male team members when you're thinking about promotions um, for opportunities for upskilling or reskilling? Um, and then, of course, when it comes to benefits, are we considering you know how these uh, impact both men and women? Yeah, obviously, there's a lot to consider with differences of gender. And I think there's also, moving on to the next point, a lot to consider with differences between location. So with employees that are fully on site versus fully remote, and then you have your hybrid. Um, So hybrid workers were actually the most satisfied out of these three categories. But 100% remote workers actually were pretty similar in their overall satisfaction rates. Um, But both hybrid and remote were about two points higher in satisfaction than people that are 100% in person. So I do think that begs the question of, are workplaces that have the capability for their employees to work remotely or hybrid just not allowing it? Are there policies restricting people that have the capabilities um, and they're saying, no, you have to be in the office 100% of the time, five days a week? So I think that's an interesting thing to consider when thinking about the survey. Yeah, I think that the type of work you're doing, I think, is important for this. Um, you know, are you feeling restricted needing to be on premise? Um, that's probably something that would contribute to satisfaction. But I think overall, like if you look at the four elements that drive higher retention and satisfaction, it's quality of leadership, it's organizational culture, it's potential for future growth and its interest in the work. Um, remote and uh, hybrid workers are significantly more satisfied in those areas than people that are in person. Um, I want to dive into a couple of these because I think it's it's really interesting and something to be uh, to talk about. So in, in the rating of organizational culture, uh, 100% in person lags eight points behind a hybrid um, worker. Um, that could be two things. One, it could be I work for a culture that trusts me to work and set my own schedule. That's the hybrid um, situation. You could also say the reverse of people need to see me doing my work. Um, but for that to be such a giant gap between in-person and hybrid, 
you know, how much of that culture. So culture is the accumulation of actions and behaviors by the people that work for your company. Is it that the people that are in person are seeing firsthand the actions and behaviors of their coworkers versus if you're hybrid, you're not in the office as much, or if you're, you're remote, um, you're kind of just you being you, you might, you know, pop onto the zoom meetings or something. But as far as the day to day, do they have more exposure to that? That would be, um, maybe influencing their rating on, on culture. Just, just something to throw out there. Yeah. What's also interesting is uh, a couple of outliers uh, in these ratings. So for job security, people that are 100% remote have the lowest rating. Mm -hmm. So they do not feel as secure in their jobs. People at work, the 100% in-person group, likes the people at work more than the others. Is it because they're seeing the people? I don't know. I think probably, yeah. yeah. You're just around the people more. You're going to like them more. Communications channels. Uh, this is a seven-point gap between hybrid and 100% in-person. I think... This is very much variable from place to place. You would imagine that if you are working in a hybrid environment, your level of communication is higher, your use of technology is higher versus being in person. That could be a variable there, but a significant difference there. And then recognition and acknowledgement is a 10-point spread between hybrid at 57 uh, and 100% in person at 47. People that are required to work 100% on site are receiving significantly less recognition and acknowledgement. That should be like an alarm bell for whoever has a workforce that is 100% on site. Um, what is it that is happening for these people that are hybrid that is not happening for the people that are on location? If you have the ability to physically walk up to somebody and offer recognition, why are you not doing that? Um, it's just it's an interesting paradigm well, when it comes to that. Yeah. Do you think that has a little bit to do with the fact that flexibility is still a little bit of a newer thing for companies and companies that are more likely to make their employees be in person, like I'll just say it like that, maybe they're still stuck in their more traditional ways of recognition, like service award only and star performer programs. I mean, maybe maybe the employers that are more forward with their flexibility are also the ones that are implementing the peer-to-peer -peer and the day-to-day -day recognition. For sure. I, and I think that's, you know, again... I wish they had a better way to interpret this data than this mm -hmm. because, you know, you could go just company by company in their approach to this, um, maybe lacking nuance in their uh, employee recognition program or, or whatever that uh, isn't reaching as many people as it as it probably should versus yeah. if you are set up to even enable a hybrid work environment, you are probably a little bit further in advance in that thinking. Mm -hmm. So, um, Last thing uh, in the differences here, performance reviews. Um, so people that are working hybrid feel better about their performance reviews uh, than either the 100% remote or 100% in-person. That's uh, as much as nine points difference. That, to me, speaks to the level of communication between yourself and your upline. I would imagine if you're, you know, back and forth on what your plan is or, you know, I'll be in this day or whatever, uh, you're more connected. You're probably having a, a, a weekly one-on-one -on -one and you're just your lines of communication are open. So you're not surprised in those performance review situations versus, again, these might be situations where if I'm 100% remote, am I feeling disconnected from my upline? And then if I'm 100% in person, am I just feeling like the hammer is going to fall uh, every time I go into a review situation? Uh, so, so finally, um, you know, the last bit that they use to compare is of people that replied with being highly satisfied versus people reporting that they are more on the lower end of that spectrum. What was the difference and where are those differences? Uh, essentially, um, workplace culture is more important to retaining a worker than pay once the competitive compensation threshold is met. So I think people are definitely satisfied with their pay. However, you're not going to get 
as much out of that person or retain them if you do not have these other areas related to organizational culture, quality of leadership, work-life balance, um, health benefits, things of that nature. So if you are a 10 on the wage scale but are like a 3 or a 4 on all of these others, that's not going to be a great balance, right? So mm-hmm. your, your next program or investment should n- likely not be on the wage front. Um, it should probably be on more of the cultural and the people side of things. Right. It's like how we talk about Maslow's hierarchy of needs. You've got to have the base level. Pay has to be up to the standards. But beyond that, you're going to start having to fulfill those higher needs um, rather than just keep paying more. Great. Well, Kaylee, thanks for bringing this to our attention. Lots of good data points here. Uh, Hopefully this will help you in your conversations with your leadership team on helping to make an impact uh, on your company culture because it clearly makes a difference. Yeah, of course. Thank you, Neely. Thank you. Thanks for joining us today. And special thanks to The Fracture and Jay Matthews for their original music. Stay tuned for more episodes coming out every week that will touch on the topics that are important to HR and people leaders like you. If you have any recommendations or feedback, or if you are looking to partner on creating a more engaging recognition program, you can contact us at podcast at recognition.com. And as always, thank you. Thank you.